are complete and whole and healed and strong and wise and covered and blessed and loved. In Christ alone, we need not look anywhere else. So today, Lord, we look to you. We come today to proclaim Jesus and to receive you into our life, to receive you fresh again. God, today we love you. Would you, would you pray with me this morning? And however you want to say it, would you just direct your prayer to Jesus this morning and say, God, I put my trust in 2017 in you. I put my faith in you. I put my problems in your hands. I put my worries in your hands. I put my fears in your hands. Lord, this morning, I place my total self Jesus alone. I stand today on the rock, Christ Jesus. And Lord, I bless you and love you. This morning, would you just thank him today with a, with a nice praise and applause? Would you just say, Lord, today I thank you today that you are trustworthy. God, we thank you today that you are praiseworthy, you are trustworthy. Lord, we, come on, come on, let it out this morning. God, we love you today, and we praise you in this place. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. God, we thank you. You can be seated this morning. It's great to be together in God's presence. It's great. Cold as it is outside. And all of our friends from the north said to me this morning, you southerners have lost your mind. This is a beautiful winter day. <laughs> you should see the other ones we have. Hey, guys, good morning. Thank you so much. Today, if you haven't gotten a uh, devotional guide, I want to encourage you to do that. In the foyer, you can see um, we have devotionals that we've written for the 21 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. And so if you'd grab one of these devotionals, every day we have a scheduled reading of Scripture and a way for you to interact with that Scripture to focus your uh, prayer and reading time for the next 21 days. So if you haven't gotten a devotional yet, if you'd grab one of those, you can also uh, link to it, I believe, on our mobile app. You can find it there. You can go to kingwoodchurch.com. You can find it there. In the info guide you've got, it'll tell you other ways that you can access it. If you just want to do your devotions on your phone for the next three weeks, you can do that. It's interactive. So uh, you can link to the scriptures there. But uh, pick up one of these devotional guides. And remember, the three Sunday night services that we will have in, for the next 21 days, each Sunday night we'll have a different service. Tonight we'll have our 21 days of prayer and fasting kickoff uh, with communion. And so I want to invite you back tonight at 5.30, uh, share communion with us, and it'll be a great time of prayer as we, as we launch into these 21 days. Ne the next Sunday night will be soak service, and I would like to ask all, um, particularly all the people in our church who are leaders, if you would make a special effort to be here, because we're going to have, during soak, we're going to have a normal soak service, but during soak we're going to have a special time of prayer and commissioning just for you over your ministry and the gifts God's given you. And uh, we want this year of ministry to be a great year for you. So we want to pray for you in that way. So if you'd make sure and join us. And then the last Sunday night 
uh, of, of the three will be our healing and freedom service where we spend a little time in worship, but most of our time is spent in prayer, praying for individual needs that, uh, that the fullness and the wholeness of Christ that he provided on the cross would be applied uh, in each of our lives. So join us for those. It'll be um, really powerful times every night at 530 uh, starting tonight. And then I, I want to, before I get uh, into the message and we start talking about recommit, I want to uh, give you, uh, a, just have a little chat with you. So if you're a guest today, uh, you can zone out and play on your phone for the next few minutes. This isn't for you. Uh, but if, you're, if Kingwood's your home church, um, I, I want to specifically talk to you. For, can, you, can you guys bring the lights up a little bit more? I feel like we're, I feel like I'm, uh, we're a little dim today. Would you bring those if we have them, I guess? Yes, thank you. Uh, so um, let me just have a little talk with you. If you have the info, God, there's some information for you here. I, I don't believe that Kingwood Church has been designated by God as just another church. I don't believe that. I believe that there's a special anointing on this church uniquely designed for us to make an impact in Shelby County. We, we're not the only church here. We're not the only church making an impact. We're not the only church called to make an impact. We're the only one that's going to. It's going to take a lot of churches to impact this county. But I believe we are one of them, one of the unique special churches to reach Shelby County, but we have a challenge, and this is the challenge I want to share with you uh, through the next few weeks. One of the reasons that we haven't yet seen the impact that we want to see and God has called us to see is, is a simple financial reason. We cannot afford to make the impact financially that we have the potential to make. We don't have the financial resources to do it. Just this week, I happened to walk up on a couple of our pastors who were dialoguing over a decision we were trying to make, a $300 decision about an outreach thing that we needed to do. And, and the discussion when I walked in was something like this. Hey, you know, this is the money we got. We got it needs to do about five things, but we can only do one of them, and which one should we do? And we're sweating bullets trying to figure out which one of these outreach things that we need to do all of are we going to do because we don't have the money to do them all. And so, so I, I thought, wow. So I don't know how it will happen, but in my mind, I, I have a vivid imagination. I imagine it's something like this. I imagine that one day I'll stand before God, and he'll look at me and he'll say, did you do the things that I gave you to do? And I will say, no, we couldn't afford it. And he will say, did you ask people to give toward the mission that I gave Kingwood Church? Did you ask them, did you tell them about the need, and did you ask them to give more? And I would say, no, I didn't. So that's how my imagination works. I don't know if it will happen like that. But as I search the Bible, I see only one answer on how a church can afford to do the commission that God has given it to do. And what I see in the Bible is a concept called tithing. So if you're not familiar with that, we'll talk about that over the next few weeks. So what I want to encourage you to do if Kingwood Church is your home. Tithing means taking the first 10% of my income and giving it to God and honoring Him with my finances and trusting Him for my needs and the needs of the kingdom. That's what tithing means. 
And so I want to encourage you, if Kingwood Church is home, I want to encourage you to take the tithing challenge. And here's what that simply means. If you don't give 10% of your income, start. Start giving 10% of your income because Kingwood Church needs it to do the job God called us to do. If you give less than 10%, increase your giving to 10%. If you already give 10% and you say, I want our church to be all it can be, increase your giving above 10%. And, and all of that together will go and meet the need. So this morning, I just want to give you uh, three simple reasons that tithing matters. One, tithing matters to God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. What's God's house? It's the church. It's not this building. It's the church. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. Now, God has a plan for your house and his house. And it is a plan to bless your house and a plan to bless his house. And when we tithe, that's his plan, we're all blessed. Everybody lives in the blessing of God. About six months ago, my wife and I were at the grocery store, and I ran into a, a young lady in our church. And I just, we were talking to her and saying, hey, it's great to see you. You know, uh, we hadn't talked in a long time and how things going. And she was between two long shifts at work. And she was telling us about some struggles she went through. And later she, she emailed me. She said, I didn't get to tell you the whole story, and I just wanted to be able to tell. I said, please email me and let me know. So here's the email she sent. She said, my husband lost his job at the coal mine three days after Christmas. This was 2015. And was finally able to get a temporary job in April that will last until the end of June. Last fall, we went through Financial Peace University. It's a ministry we offer to help people uh, budget and finance and set right priorities. She said, uh, and we picked up some things, some great info that was, has helped us in our recent struggle. The main thing being that our financial priorities were backwards. We paid the bills first and paid tithes with what was left. Last year we fixed that and the tithes became the first thing to pay on our list. Since then, everything has been different. When my husband lost his job, we lost 65% of our income. Although I know God is faithful, I wondered how we were going to make it. That sermon you preached a few weeks ago about how we try to give everything to God, but we try to take some of it back, that hit me like a nail on the head. I'm the budget person in the house, and I would pray about it and remind myself that God's got this. But a little while later, I would have my bills and my calculator out trying to figure out exactly how God's going to have this. How many of you have been there? Honestly, I still don't know how he does it, but even though by my calculations we should be in the red, somehow even after losing that much of the income and my husband being without a job for three months, all our bills are paid and we've ended up with more money in our savings account than we've ever had. It's still not a lot of money, but it's not zero. I've always believed in God, but me being the scientist of the family... My thought process is largely ruled by logic and facts, so this whole experience has truly blown my mind. There is no logical explanation. I got an explanation. It's a supernatural one. Only God can do what has been done, and I praise him for it. We still face uncertain times because I don't know what God has planned for us after this temporary job ends in June. But I do know one thing. I don't have to stress about it because God has a plan 
I just pray that his will will be done and we make the right decision the moment the door opens. Isn't that powerful? God does have a plan. And it's, see, I'm telling you, we really need money. No, no, I'm just, I'm just messing. All our bills are paid. All our bills are paid. That's not the issue, I promise. God does have a plan, and his plan is to bless your house. And it is to bless his house. And he's tied that plan together in such a way we can't have one without the other. We can't have one without the other. So tithing matters to God. Tithing matters to the church. Sometimes, let me say it this way, tithing matters to God's church. This is his church. It's not mine, it's not yours, it's not ours, it's his. Sometimes we believe that spiritual things matter when we do them, but they don't matter when we don't do them. For example, when I pray, like I want prayer to really matter. I want it to make a big difference. However, when I forget to pray, I don't want it to matter. I want it to not count then. And I think we sometimes feel that way about giving. When I scratch up the faith to give and put God first, I want it to really count. But when I don't give, I don't want it to count. But it does. Spiritual things are, are both-sided. They always count. When you do them, they count. And when you don't do them, they count. And when we don't give, things are cut from God's plan. So I wanted to just give you a, um, a percentage on this. The national average among born-again Christians is 12% of born-again Christians in America tithe. 12%. You want to know why we don't have a spiritual awakening in America? It's because we don't put God first. And it shows up there. 12% of people in America, uh, Christians, give 10% of their income to God. At Kingwood Church, the number, you can go ahead and put that slide up there. At Kingwood Church, the number is about 16%. About 16% of people at Kingwood Church, the best we can figure. We don't know how to get it exactly right. I'm so grateful that we're above the average. Like I know Kingwood Church is an above average church, no doubt about it. But you can do the math and see we've got some work to do. Right? We still have work to do. There's some growth that we can do. Now, for Kingwood Church in 2017 to fulfill the potential outreach that God, that we already are capable of doing, we need about a 10% increase in income. And, and as I already said, that can happen in a lot of ways. We need a 10% increase in income. So I'm asking you, I'm presenting the need to you that the mission of Kingwood Church is suffering. The work God wants to do in this county is suffering because we simply don't have enough resources to do it. So I'm, I'm challenging you to take the tithing challenge in 2017. So here, here's the thing. Tithing matters to God. It matters to His church. Tithing matters to your faith. Now here's what I want you just to imagine for a minute. I want you to imagine sitting down to pay your bills and you decide, somewhere in your mind, you and your spouse decide, we're going to take 10% of everything we make and we're going to give it to God first. And we're going to try to now live off the 90% that we used to live off the 100% and we're going to test God and see if that's going to work. You don't think that will affect your faith? <laughs> Week in and week out and month in and month out, you will begin to see supernatural things happen in your life. You will begin to see the plan of God to bless your house, and it will grow your faith. Because you'll, you'll begin to see 
with living proof, like this email I read, you'll begin to see in your own personal family how God desires to bless you and take care of you. And you'll see proof on it. So here's how you can take the tithing challenge. You, you can uh, start tithing. You can increase the giving you're already doing to 10%. Or if you want to go above that, you can go above that. On the screen, we have a phone number you can text. If you'll shoot a text to that number, we'll reply with a simple link. And if you have an info guide this morning, I can show you what the link will look like. On the back, it says Tithing Challenge. If you have the info guide, it's already there. It'll look just like this. It'll last you for, uh, in 30 seconds, you can fill the whole thing out. And if you'll just say, you know what? This year, me and my family want to take the tithing challenge. I'm not asking you for amount. I'm not asking you for a percentage. I'm not asking you for how much you're going to increase. I'm not asking you if you're brand new. I'm not asking you for any of that. What I'm asking you to do is say, this is my intention, is to put God first in my finance, is to do the plan God gave me to bless his house and mine. And uh, so you say, sign me up, and here's what will happen. Uh, we will give you, from me, I will personally send you an email once a month starting in February. And I will give you an update on the finances of Kingwood Church, and you can see personally how your giving affects our church. Very simple snapshot. I'm not sending you spreadsheets. I'm not sending you three million numbers. I'm going to send you a very basic, easy-to-read, simple, quick. You look at it in a few seconds, and you'll know where we're at. So if you'll, if you'll uh, maybe you say, look, I already tithe. I just want the update. Sign up. Sign up for the update, and I'll send you the update no matter what. If you want the update, you can have it. But uh, sign up today. You can also go to our mobile app, and our mobile app you can sign up. You can sign up at Kingwood Church. If you need more information about tithing, you can find this Tithing Challenge banner on the website, and uh, that'll give you some information about it. So starting in February, you'll get updates from me. Now, if you're a guest, please get off your phone, and you can zero back in. Uh, because this morning, I want to share something with you about the uh, Recommit series uh, and, and the next 21 days, the next three Sundays that are going to be a phenomenal opportunity for you and I to jump in on what God wants to do in our life. Now, everybody loves a new beginning, right? How many of you love new beginnings? How many of you, uh, four of you love new beginnings. The rest of you hate new beginnings. How many of you love new beginnings? Yes, you love new beginnings. I love for things to start over or first or you know for the first time I love new beginnings everybody's in at the beginning of the year we always have this same idea it causes us to reflect and to think and you know what what we want to be different in 2017 than what happened in 2016 we want to eat better we want to spend more time with family we want to improve our skill we want to manage time better we want to be more productive we want to overcome some challenges we were facing we want to lose weight we want to exercise more you know you have this rush of ideas the airwaves are filled with New Year's resolutions, and uh, sociologists tell us they last till about, I think the day is January 14th. It's about how long it takes for them to wear off, something like that. But look, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it's great to get a break at Christmas and to have this sense of rest and new energy and be ready to re-engage. I absolutely love it. I look forward to New Year's all year long because I love it. But I do want to add one thing to the conversation. I want to add something. A huge majority of all our resolutions have to do with physical, earthly, and temporary things. 
In fact, everything I mentioned a few minutes ago has to do with all of those. My question is, how many of your resolutions have to do with eternal things? What about your soul? What about prayer? What about your relationship with God? What about your investment in God's eternal kingdom? What about the condition of the people's soul that are around you? What about their eternal life? What, what are your resolutions in regards to the things that are eternal, not just temporary? And the Bible teaches us that eternal things are more important than temporary things. Now, I want to I tell you for a minute one of the greatest inventions that's ever been created in the history of the entire world. It's one of the greatest inventions. It saves time. It saves money. It's probably even saved a few relationships, probably more than we know. It improves students' grades. It helps business professionals advance in their career on a small level. It even, it even makes time travel possible. And, it, and it's, it's almost a miracle, but it's something that's so simple that you and I use it every day. How many of you want to know what that is? You want to know what it is? All right, I'm going to show you a picture of it. That's what it is. How many of you know what that is? It's the undo button. I'm going to tell them. Let me undo that. I don't really want to say that. It's the undo button. The undo button is one of the most incredible miracles and inventions of humankind. You're typing something on your computer. You wish you wouldn't have typed it. You misspelled something. You don't want to type it. You said something you don't want to say. And what do you do? You undo it. Ah. And it's gone. It's like magic. It's extremely powerful. How many of you have used the undo button? Come on, confess. Oh, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? There's another button almost as powerful as that one, and it's for those of us who just get confused sometimes. Do you know what this button is? This is, anybody know what that is? Redo, like the redo button. There's the undo button and the redo button. This is what you push when you did something good, but you undid it, and now you want to redo it. Like you wrote something, you know, no, I didn't mean to write that. Undo. Oh, no, no, I did. I did. I did. Redo, redo, redo. Where'd it go? How many of you use the redo button? Yes? Everybody use the redo button? Right? How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I say? Yes? All right, good. I got you. When, look, even though computers didn't exist when the Bible was written, the redo button is in the Bible. And I'll show it to you in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is saying to this church in Ephesus, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and you've endured hardship for my name and you've not grown weary. Awesome. You've persevered. You have courage. You keep moving. You do what's right. You're very moral. You don't like corruption. You don't like wicked people. You don't like people who pretend to be something they're not. Right on. I'm for all of those things too, God is saying. Now look at the next verse. Yet, yet, that's another way to say, but, however, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You had it, and then you undid it. You had this awesome love for God, but somehow through time and Life and busyness and distraction and 
things just aren't quite the way they used to be and you, you did an undo. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. So there was this love for God that you had early in your faith. There was this passion and this hunger and this love. But your love, Jesus said in this verse, has cooled off. Your priorities have changed. You pursue other things more than you pursue your relationship with God. Let me translate that. Your New Year's resolutions have everything to do with the temporary and the natural and the human. But they don't have very much to do with the soul and relationship with God and eternal. And he's saying, wait a minute, time out. Was there a time in your life that you were more in love with God than you are now? If there was, you've done an undo. You did something really good, and now you've sort of undone it. And so God says, do the things you did at first. You had some good things going, but you undid them. What is it time for? It's time for a redo. It's time to redo the things you did the first time you found God. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean, well, the first time I had a great relationship with God and fell with Him, I was at a revival, so we need to have revivals. That's not what this means. It doesn't mean do the same things the same way. It means have the same values. Have the same priorities. You'll probably do it different than you did it then. If you try to do it the same way you did it then, you're going to relive a religion in a form, and it'll have no life in it. Don't relive the form. Relive the value. Relive the priority. We call it recommitment. That's why we named our theme for this year and this day, 21 days of prayer and fasting, recommit. Because it's time for a redo. It's time to recommit to some first things. So for the next few weeks, what I'm going to be sharing with you are what are some of those first things? What are some of those values and priorities we want to redo and recommit to? Here's the first one that I'll share with you today, and every week I'll give you a new one. We want to recommit to God's presence and to prayer. We want to recommit to God's presence and prayer. Now the question is, where is God's presence at? Where's God's presence at? Well, I, I, I want to do a... A, a quick little Bible study this morning, and I want to kind of trace through the Bible what this concept of the presence of God is. Where is the presence of God? God's presence in the Old Testament was uh, in the temple. Let me just give you this simple division of the Bible to help you understand uh, the baseline of what we're talking about. The Old Testament is everything that happened before Jesus came to earth. The New Testament is everything that happened when Jesus came to earth and after. So in the Old Testament, there's one way of thinking about God's presence. In the New Testament, there's a whole other way. So in the Old Testament, what did that look like? There's this concept in the Old Testament that God was going to live in a building. He was going to live in a building called the temple. Now God chose the Jewish people to reveal himself through... So he was going to reveal himself to the whole world through the Jewish people. And early in the Jewish nation's history, they had one temple. 
And inside that temple, there was a special room called the Holy of Holies. And basically, through all through the Old Testament, God is saying, I'm going to live in that room. My presence is going to live in the Holy of Holies. That's where I'm going to live. And so the high priest would go in there, and he would talk to God about stuff about the nation. Then he would come out and tell the nation what God said. That's how it worked. That's where God's presence was. So if you were to, if you were to ask someone, where's God's presence at, they'd say in the temple. 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11, we see a picture of this when there was a permanent temple established. When the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priest could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So the presence of God lived in the temple. So if you were to ask anyone in Israel, where is God's presence, they would say, in the temple. Now when you move to the New Testament, things change. God's presence, where's God's presence in the New Testament? Well, God lived in a human body. We just celebrated last month this whole idea. God squished himself down into a little human body named Jesus, and he came to earth, and he lived here with skin and flesh and eyes and, and, and feet, and he walked and he talked and, and he ate, and he slept, and he laughed, and he cried, and he called his disciples, and he taught them, and he walked with them, and he ate with them, and he did incredible miracles. And if you were to ask any one of the disciples, where is the presence of God, they would say, and that guy right there. <laughs> That's him. Look in his eyes. Look in his soul. The presence of God lives in Jesus. So everything had changed. Everything had changed. And then Jesus dies... And he's resurrected, and he goes to heaven. And when Jesus goes to heaven, he says, when he ascends to the guys standing there looking at him, hang on, I'm not leaving you like I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you. I'm leaving and going to heaven, but when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come to earth. And, and then everything changes one more time. John uh, 14, 16 tells us what happens. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Watch this. For he lives with you and will be in you. Do you believe this? Do you believe what we're reading? It's absolutely unbelievable. God is going to move out of Jesus' human flesh. And he's going to move inside every believer. He's going to move inside of them. Paul picked up on the same idea in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says, do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Your body, see that word again? There's that word from the Old Testament, temple. The temple was the place where God's presence lived in the Old Testament. And, and the priest would go in and see the presence of God. And that's the only place to live. Now in the New Testament, the same thing is happening again. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is inside you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own? Don't you see what's happened? Every major move God has made in history, he's made so he could get closer to you. He moved from heaven to the temple in the Holy of Holies. And that wasn't close enough. Then he moved from the temple to inside a man's skin and flesh so he could walk beside, eat with, talk to, interact with humans. And that wasn't close enough. 
And then Jesus died and he went to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit who would live inside your body. Because that's what he always wanted. He wanted to be as close to you as he could possibly get. If you were to ask God, now that Jesus has left the earth, where is God's presence? He would say, in my people. He would say, my presence lives inside my people. So God's presence is in two places. That means two different things. The word temple in the New Testament is a word that's applied in two different ways when you see it. It can either mean the individual believer like you or I, or it can mean the people of God, the body of Christ, the church gathered. When you and I gather and we stand together and worship and fellowship and sing and minister and serve and do everything we've been doing this morning, the Bible teaches us that the presence of God lives inside that gathering. This isn't a meeting. This isn't an organizational meeting. This isn't a club. This is the housing and the shell for the presence of God. It's a whole different thing. This isn't like just going to, to some organizational representative meeting. This isn't a business meeting. It's not a work meeting. This is a meeting of the presence of God. It's a whole different thing. We are the temple individually and corporately. So here's the question I have for you this morning. Will you recommit to the presence of God and prayer? Will you recommit to God's presence of prayer? Now, look, I, I, well, here's what I don't mean. Uh, everything that I read, everything that I read, all says the same thing. Even committed Christians are attending church less than ever. Over Christmas break in America, now not around the world. And around the world it's going up in, in some parts of the world. In America it's going down. And so I read this article over Christmas break that I was fascinated, so I had to open <coughs> the, the ten reasons even committed Christians are attending church less. And I, I said, ten? There can't be ten. Ten? Two, four, five, six, ten? Golly, I opened them and I went, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yes, and then there's six and eight, and yes, nine, and I suppose ten counts too. Yes. I guess they are all, I know somebody somewhere that this applies to. Yes, okay, yes, yes, yes. But, but look, it, it, I'm not talking about attending church. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. If you think when I say, will you recommit to God's presence in prayer that I mean showing up to a Sunday morning service and checking the box and going home. That's not what I mean at all. If you grew up in the same kind of church that I did, you know your number one job was to attend. Because if you didn't attend, they'd talk about you. Right? You're afraid not to show up. They'd just have you cut upside and down by the time you got back. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. You ever miss? Boy, they talk about... And, and... You didn't, you didn't do anything at church. 
You showed up, you sat down, you did what you were told, you looked forward, and, and, and every now and then sometimes there are a lot of people missing for some reason, and oh man, those were tough Sundays because the pastor would get on a rant and he would open up a portal to hell and he would dangle the few remaining people in the building, I grew up in a small church, a few remaining people over hell and, and warn them, don't you ever be like these people that didn't show up today because I'll drop you off in hell if you do. Don't you ever be like them. And boy, it was tough. And he would just smear guilt all over everybody, warning them, don't you be like all these so-and-sos that skipped her. I don't know why we got the lecture if we were there. I never understood that. It's like you just, you know, punishing the kid that did the right thing for the one that did the right. I don't understand that. How many of you grew up in a church something like that? Anybody? Experience? Yes, it's brutal. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't want you to attend. We want you to engage. That's different. We don't want you to just sit here and listen. In our oversensitized world, the easiest thing there is to do is to numb out. Don't numb out on God. Don't numb out on God. Don't go on autopilot. So let me ask you some questions. Are you meeting people? Are, are, you, are your relationships in the kingdom, in the church, growing? When do your gifts get used? When's the last time you let someone pray for you? When we sing, do you stand and look at the front or do you worship? Do you invite people to come to church with you? Are you engaged? Is your relationship with God growing? Do you read things in the Bible that stir your heart? That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Will you recommit to God's presence and to prayer? Will you dig your teeth in deep? These 21 days of prayer and fasting are a great place to start. It might even be, for many of you, you're starting a new habit. Fabulous. I invite you. I welcome you. I encourage you. I applaud you. Start a new habit. This is a great time of year to start a new habit. God's presence and prayer. This is the time that God has invited us and challenged us to do that. Now, I wonder this morning, um, I, I, want, I just want to quickly show you something. I wonder this morning if there's someone here uh, and you have a need. You, you have a need of some kind. Is there someone here that you say, I have a need. I came to church this morning and I have a need. Is there anybody you raise your hand and you say there's a need in my life? Yeah, okay, all right, here we go. So can you tell us what it is? Ish? Okay, all right, tell us what it is. Health, you have a health need, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, okay? And I'm going to tell you why we're going to pray. Because the Bible says that the presence of God lives in me. I'm the house for the presence of God. You're the house. Which means God's here. We don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to, you know, lather up and, and, and hurt ourselves and do something dramatic to make God be here. God's just here. Right? And so this morning we're going to pray. We're going to pray for this need. So would, would you just take my hand up? You don't have to stand up or nothing. You're just right there. Yeah, you're, you're good. We're just going to pray, okay? Lord, this morning, you know, we don't know exactly what this need is, but you do. And so today, I believe that you've set a divine appointment in this moment. 
And I believe that you live inside me and you live inside us. And so today we pray that you would meet this physical need. I pray for healing and cleansing. And I pray you would wash from head to toe. And I pray you would make this situation brand new. Because that's the kind of God that you are. Now, this time, I want us to pray again. And I want you to pray because God's presence lives in you. Now, now watch. The number one way you and I access the presence of God that lives in us is through prayer. That's the main way. You don't have to be a special person to pray. You just be a Christian. <laughs> and God's presence lives in you. So this morning, we're going to pray. Would you all pray? Maybe you don't even, maybe you don't, I don't know the need, but would you kind of stretch your hand this way? And today, we are presence of God containers. And we're going to minister the presence of God to this dear sister, and God's going to touch her. Lord, today, I thank you for your presence. And I thank you for what you're doing, not just in this moment, but in all of us. You are ministering the presence of God in this place. And so, Lord, today we touch your presence through prayer, and we are touched by your presence as we pray. And so, God, I pray that this need would be healed and whole and strong and clean and well. Lord, I, I, Lord, I pray that you would just minister the sweet and whole and tender presence of God. Today we come with an open heart and an honest confession that this need exists, but we come with confession that in Christ alone, my needs are met. And so we receive today from you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. How do you, how do you, how do you feel? What, did you feel something when we prayed? I don't, I don't know if the need's gone or not. I don't know that. How do you feel? I think a deeper need. <laughs> not what I said. There was a deeper need. And that need was touched. Okay, so what I just want to say to you this morning is the presence of God lives in you. And what you just did is you ministered the presence of God to her, who I just said, look at her, she's crying. Through prayer. That's the same way the presence of God that lives in you and goes with you everywhere you go. The same way you'll touch his presence is through what we just did. You'll just pray. You'll just pray. And so what I'm asking you is, will you recommit to God's presence in prayer? That's all I'm asking. Would, would you recommit to God's presence in prayer? I want to give you three simple ways we do that at Kingwood. Every month... We have soak service. And the main reason we do that whole service is so we can touch God's presence and we can pray. That's, that's really what it is. And we've been doing it five or six years. And, and maybe you're here and you've never, never been or haven't been in a long time. I want to invite you to come. If you're going to live out your new commitment to God's presence in prayer, there has to be a way. 
And we know from the New Testament that when he says the temple, you are the temple of the presence of God, we know what that means. That means that not just you by yourself, but all of us when we come together. So when do we come together? Well, we do once a month in soak. We do every Sunday in worship. I know you can't be here every Sunday. I'm not here every Sunday. But boy, if I'm not, there's a very good reason and it doesn't happen very often because I want to live a life committed to God's presence and so will you will you recommit to God's presence soak in, in Sunday worship and devotions so the whole reason that we write these every year is because we're trying to say hey maybe you're like me I struggled for years to try to figure out how to do my devotions and to be faithful at it and regular. I struggled for years. And maybe we just write these to encourage you. Say, hey, here's a way. Here's an easy way. Let's all do it together. And the way you touch the presence of God is you gather together with His church and you meet with Him by yourself. And that's it. That's really all it is. And if you will soak with us and you will worship with us, and you will do devotions on your own with us. It'll be a new thing. It'll be a new day. It'll be a new, it'll be a new expression. So this morning, I want to ask you just if you would consider this year making a commitment, new commitment to God's presence in prayer. Look, as I read the Bible, I can see that we don't have a half-committed God. He didn't make a half-commitment. He didn't make a partial commitment. He didn't make a leftover commitment. He didn't say, I'll get to you later. God is a fully committed God. He went all in, emptied the universe, and bankrupted heaven. How did he do that? did that for us so what kind of commitment should we give him and we should respond in kind so would you stand with me this morning and I'm going to ask our worship team if you'd come here's what we're going to do we already sang this song but we're just going to end the service with a song I just want to sing it again it's that song in Christ alone and here, here's the thing I wanted to sing this song because it tells us where our center is. It tells us where our priority is. It tells us what ought to be most important, what ought to be first. It tells us how to redo. And there's this part in the song where the song just anthems. It just anthems. It just reaches out and screams and cries and says, yes, yes, God, that's the way I want it to be in my life. This is what I want. This is my intention. This is what I want 2017 to be like. So this morning as we sing it together, would you just sing from your heart? Would you sing with all your, all your strength? Would you sing with everything you have? And would you just anthem, just let it be your closing prayer to God and say, yes, God, today, today help me. Because you and I can't be committed to him without him. It takes like all of him to help us to be committed. So, so come on and let's sing it. Let's sing it together this morning. And would you just anthem this song? Right in the middle, there's this big part. You just, just scream it like you're at a national.